Good morning, First Carry. Welcome to Manifest 2019. A warm welcome to Manifest 2019. For our call to worship this morning, I invite you to practice your response. It is, we praise you, O God. So here you go. We praise you, O God. Perfect. All right. So I will point to you, and you know it is your time to respond. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We praise you, O God. When we look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them? We praise you, O God. You have made us a little lower than the angels and crowned us with glory and honor. You made us rulers over the works of your hands. We praise you, O God. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We praise you, O God. Let us pray. Amazing God, creator and comforter, giver of your only Son and sender of the Holy Spirit, open our hearts to hear your voice in unexpected times and places. Appear to us in forms we cannot deny. Challenge us in ways we cannot avoid. Give us ears to hear your holy word and respond in ways that look like Jesus to all the world. We pray this in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. The first lesson comes from the book of Acts, the second chapter, verses 42 through 47. Hear now for the word of God. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Here ends the lesson. If you will stand as you are able for the reading of our gospel lesson. The lesson comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. You may be seated. Oh God, we gather to hear you speak because you have spoken to us before. 
You've spoken to us in this good place. So open our hearts and minds to hear your word. And then having heard your word, to go and be doers and not hearers only. For it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. The American Red Cross says that its mission is to prevent and alleviate human suffering in the face of emergencies by mobilizing the power of volunteers and the generosity of donors. Starbucks says that their mission is to inspire and nurture the human spirit one person, one cup, and one neighborhood at a time, while Walmart simply wants to save people money so that they can live better. Doesn't hurt that that also works with Walmart's business plan. Microsoft tells you that its mission is to empower every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more. That's not ambitious at all. While TED Talk gives its mission statement in two words, spread ideas. The best known mission statement of all time may be this, space, the final frontier, These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise whose ongoing mission is to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilization, to boldly go where no one has gone before. It's also the best known split infinitive of all time. Mission statements are important to organizations. They they tell the people, not only the people who come to the organization, but the people who are within the organization The mission statements say something about the intent of the organization. They say something about the organization's value, something about what it intends to do, how it intends to live, what its purpose is. Mission statements tell us something about what an organization hopes to achieve. And that's as true for churches as it is for any other institution or organization. First Cary belongs to a global church. We belong to the United Methodist Church. And the stated mission statement of the United Methodist Church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And we own and live into that mission statement as a congregation, but we own it and we live into it in a particular culture and context here in Cary, in this place, among these people who live and work here with us. And so we've nuanced that mission statement a bit to make it fit our context. Our mission statement is to make disciples of Jesus Christ who grow in faith and love through worship fellowship, service, and witness to one another and the world. This is what we believe God has called us to do. Our vision is to share the heart of Christ from the heart of Carrie, but we do it in this way. We make disciples. We make disciples who grow in faith and love. And the means to that are worship, fellowship, service, and witness. So as your pastoral team was considering today and thinking about what to say and and how to be together with you at Manifest, what we wanted us to think about, we thought that perhaps given everything going on with us right now, everything going on in the life of the denomination, everything going on in the life of our congregation, all of the change and dislocation that we're experiencing, that perhaps we might want to take just a minute and refocus our attention on the one main thing we believe Jesus has called us to do to make disciples of Jesus Christ who grow in faith and love through worship, fellowship, service, and witness. So for the next few minutes, we're going to invite you to give your attention to that. 
to prayerfully hear a word about that and to reflect together with us on what it means to be that people in this community, in this place. We begin with worship. Pastor Martha. How do we grow in faith and love through worship? How does worship shape us as disciples? Well, consider the story of these two good friends who lived near each other in a medium-sized town, a town much like Cary. These two good friends learn from one another. They have mutual respect and appreciation for one another. One of these friends has participated in church all his life, been a Methodist all his life, living out his faith in practical and worshipful ways. He cannot imagine life without this weekly rhythm and habit. One day, as these two good friends discuss matters of life and faith, sharing their joys and concerns, their struggles, their doubts, their hopes and their dreams, the friend less familiar with church asks a question. Why does worship of God matter? His trusted friend thinks for a few minutes and says, Well, for starters, I believe God is worthy of all our thanks and praise. That alone is reason enough. And yet, there is more. He said, I figure that coming to worship it's kind of like the meals that our family and neighbors eat together. We have eaten thousands of meals together, thousands. And yet, I probably only remember a few favorite dishes. The farm fresh corn and beans, the ripe summer tomatoes, and Aunt Ruth's specialty chicken dish. I only remember a few favorite dishes, and yet every one of those meals has nourished me, has kept me going, has sustained my life, giving me hope now and for the future. And it's kind of like that when we come together for worship on Sundays. There was a pause in the conversation. The friend says, go on. So he continues by saying, what if we put that mealtime illustration in the context of weekly worship? At my age, he said, I have gathered for worship thousands of times, which means I've heard thousands of sermons, sung thousands of hymns, prayed countless prayers. And every week, I, we, are sent into the world with the Lord's blessing to be a blessing to others. The friend concludes by saying, I only remember a few of those worship services in great detail. And yet, the worship of God has nourished me. It has kept me going. It has sustained my life, giving me hope now and for the future. Now, while we might all say that all of life is worship of God, what if, like our two friends in the story, we think of our time together on Sundays as an encounter, as an encounter with the living God, so that we look forward to being nourished 
refreshed, and renewed? What if we think of worship as one of God's good gifts to us, as an opportunity to grow in faith and love in service with the world? What if we think of worship as an ancient rhythm that honors God, builds authentic community, and keeps us centered in God's mighty acts of salvation, transforming our lives together, giving us hope now and for the future. God is worthy of all our thanks and praise. God is worthy of our worship. Fellowship is really about building relationships, about the times when we come together and we learn about the individuals in our faith community. It's about our life together as disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, people frequently skip over the importance of fellowship. I have been to several meetings where people will say, you know, this whole meeting could have been skipped. We could have done all of that through email. Why did we have to get together? I have said that, certainly not at a district clergy meeting, but I have been known to say that. But there are times when there is a merit to being together. One of the things that I remember the most about my granddaddy Heron was how he would look whenever the whole family got together. When I was younger, I remember seeing him sitting with the family, usually next to my granny, and he would just smile. Now, it wasn't a simple smile. It was more of a beaming, like he radiated love and joy and happiness. And I knew on some level as a young person that just being around family made him happy. It made all of us happy. But it took having my own family to really begin to grasp what that smile was about. His heart was just so full being in the presence of our family. He didn't need to talk, just being there, watching all of us together, interacting with one another, laughing, fighting as the cousins did, hugging, laughing some more. We were just being family. And most of the time, we only got together once a year because we're spread out throughout the entire South. Now, my granddaddy Heron, I will admit, he had a bit of a temper, But when I think of him, when I picture him, what comes to mind is him sitting next to my granny with his cowboy boots on, smiling away as he looked from person to person in the room. On days like today, I feel a little bit like my granddaddy Heron. He unknowingly mentored me in watching people when they're happy. This weekend, as happens every year at Manifest, I've seen people coming together, working together, laughing, talking, meeting new people. You look around and you see so many of us enjoying this Christian fellowship that your heart begins to feel full and it makes you smile to see the joy on people's faces. Yesterday, as we waited to begin working with Rise Against Hunger, I looked around the room and everybody was smiling. It was a beautiful thing. What I love about fellowship is it keeps us from ignoring one another. By virtue of the word itself, fellowship is about being together. And when we come together, we learn about each other. 
we learn who will make the first joke. We learn who's going to laugh first. Who's going to remind us to be compassionate? Who lost a loved one recently? Who recently had an addition to the family? The more time that we spend together at meals, talking in the hallways, in the pews, in the rows of seats, out on the grass, in the parking lot, in a meeting after youth group, in a Bible study, in a community group, the more we begin to learn about each other. We grow to love one another because of what we have in common, Jesus. And we love in spite of our differences. It doesn't matter if we don't vote for the same political party. What matters is that we want to pray for one another. It doesn't matter if we come from different backgrounds. What matters is that we're walking together because of our faith. Fellowship is what happens when we move beyond being people who are just gathered in a room and become friends, neighbors, disciples walking together. We grow as disciples as we learn to love and care for one another and for the people in our community as we grow to know them. Sometimes we just have to be together. It doesn't matter if time-wise there's an easier way to share information. We fellowship because we are the body of Christ, and we need to be gathered together so we can grow in love and faith. Oh, how lucky I am to get one of the words that's not mentioned in either of these two passages of Scripture. The word service. If you look at the Great Commission, you'll find that service isn't mentioned by Jesus. Jesus mentions uh, teaching and preaching, but he makes, makes no mention of volunteering. If you look at the Acts of the Apostles, they talk about fellowship and they talk about being with one another, but there's no mention of giving back. There's no mention of service. Or is there? Before going to Divinity School, uh, I was an assistant director of admissions, undergraduate admissions at Duke, and I would read about 1,700 applications every winter from seniors in high school applying and seeking admission. And the 20-page applications would be filled with hours logged, spent in food closets and coat closets and pantries and tutoring and going on mission trips. Unfortunately for a lot of these young people... The ends to those hours was simply the application that I was reading. Jesus calls us to a way of service that moves far beyond any type of service that can be measured in hours uh, logged or can be seen on an application. It's a way of life. It's a way of life that cracks open the self, that rids us of our self-centeredness and allows us to live in full fellowship and community with one another. It's a way of service that says, my time is your time. My gifts are your gifts. And it's our community. The Acts of the Apostles says, all who believed were together and had all things in common. You find no language of service in this passage of Scripture because service can't be teased out from any other part of their life. Their way of existence is to serve those around them because that's how Jesus lived. You can't tease service out of Jesus' life. That was his nature among us. Jesus' service was seen in his love for one another. And love, when it's a verb, 
is seen in giving, and it's seen in serving. That's who we're called to be. A people who do more than just a two-hour volunteer shift on a Saturday morning or one trip down east. We're called to be a people who see life as sharing all things, resources, space, and time in common. A great example of this in our denomination is just down the street. It's in Asheville, North Carolina. It's a church called Haywood Street United Methodist Church. Haywood Street is known across our denomination for the way it serves. And it's fascinating that they're well known because in a world that says, go bigger, go broader, do more, cast the net wider, they've gone smaller. They've gone simpler. They have a more narrow focus and it allows them to go deeper. Haywood Street United Methodist Church has one ministry focus homelessness. And the five ministries that they practice each and every week all focus on homelessness in Asheville. They have a coat closet, they have a community garden, they have a temporary housing program, they have a midweek worship service, and they have a one catered meal every week by the most famous chefs from across Asheville. Haywood Street is a beautiful community because when you walk into Haywood Street, you'll find drug addicts sitting next to surgeons Felons sitting next to attorneys. Stay-at-home moms sitting next to mothers who live out of the back of their cars. But it's not what you would expect. When you walk into Haywood Street, you don't see all of the employed and all the middle class standing behind the aisle ladling soup into bowls. Because Haywood Street's service is about companionship. And that's not the ministry of doing for, that's the ministry of being with. It's the homeless. It's the single mothers who run and organize everything about that church. They're the ones that ladle the soup. They're the ones that run the coat closet. The drug addicts and those with mental illness are those who are scheduling shifts for everyone. It's a way of living It's sharing in all things in common. First, Carrie, might we be a people who shatter ourselves so that we may live better into community, sharing time, space, and resources, being a people who share all things in common. I've been thinking a lot about this word witness lately. I was talking with a young adult who's also serving on our first table leadership team recently, uh, and we were talking specifically about how we share our faith with others, how we are going to have to be very intentional about inviting others to first table and being open uh, with people of downtown Cary with this new thing that we're doing. And he said, inviting someone to church or talking with them about Jesus totally freaks me out. The idea of walking up to a stranger and asking them if they know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior terrifies me. And I had three thoughts in response to this. One, that terrifies me too. Two, I highly doubt that stranger is going to skip along with you to church after that encounter. And three, this guy has no idea that he is a fantastic witness of who Jesus is. One of the best 
in our church before he even opens his mouth, before he even says anything about who Jesus is. And that's because he lives his life in a way that points to the life of Christ. And you can see it in how this young adult shows compassion to others. You can see it in the way that he shows up for people. You can even see it in the emails that he sends. His life is a witness to the life of Jesus, not just in his word, but in how he acts, how he lives. As St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Our first scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, A-C-T-S, Acts, an entire book of the Bible devoted to the Acts of the Apostles, devoted to the way in which the Apostles are living and breathing and praying and walking and sharing and preaching, performing signs and wonders, baptizing, laughing, and living. I love how Eugene Peterson translates this text that we looked at from Acts in the message. And this is, this is how it is in the message. The disciples followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw. People in general, liked what they saw. When people look at us, do they, in general, like what they see? In the long grocery store line, in the never-ending carpool line, in 5 p.m. traffic, in that meeting at work that ran a little bit too long, you start tapping your foot, Maybe how we live shares more about what we believe and specifically who we believe in than we realize. And we have to remember in all of this that Jesus shows up as a human being, incarnate, right? The incarnation, literally in the flesh, in the body. Our faith was always meant to be embodied, to be enfleshed, to be lived out. Not just something of the head and the heart, but, but something of the hands. Maybe the best witness we have is the way we embody our faith. The way we live out who Jesus is day in and day out. So to make disciples of Jesus Christ who grow in faith and love through worship, fellowship, service, and witness to one another and the world. In, in some ways, this weekend for us, Manifest Weekend, is sort of a microcosm of that, right? Worship, fellowship, service, witness, we do all of that this weekend. Eight years ago when we started Manifest, we, we started it as a way of annually remembering who we are and what God has called us to do and be here in this community and in this place. And, and one of the things that's fascinated me with these four colleagues is I gave, them, I gave them a simple instruction. I gave each of them one of the four words, and I said, I want you to write um, and present three to four minutes 
No more than five. I mean, I count, you know, five pastors, five minutes each, 25-minute sermon. You're good. You won't be too hot by the end of that. It'll be fine. And I said, just, just develop that word. I get, it may be with a story, but I gave them no more instruction than that. And they each wrote what they were going to share with you, and they sent it to me. And I was just blown away when I read it because they all four said the same thing, if you were listening. They all four said that all of this is about relationship. It's about connection. It's about people to people. It's about connection in worship. It's about connecting in fellowship. It's connecting as we serve. It's connecting as we witness. And so what we want to say to you as your pastors are, we can't, we can't fulfill this mission in a sanitized way. It's not something we can do and just be removed from things. We have to connect with people. We have to connect with one another, and we have to connect with the world. And we want to remind you that the world begins the minute you step on the sidewalk on Academy or Waldo Streets. The world begins as soon as you step out of the property. And the other thing we want to remind you of is this. In, in this season in our life of um, disconnect and discomfort and unsettledness and moving into the future and all those ways we've already talked about, Everything else we do, the building and everything connected to the building, fundraising campaigns and stewardship campaigns, uh, vacation Bible school, The Rock, UMYF, joy outings, the Methodist Children's Center, the choirs, the handbells, the worship teams, everything else we do are simply tools for building the mission. The mission is the thing. Making disciples of Jesus Christ who grow in faith and love with one another through worship, fellowship, service, and witness to one another and the world. Nothing else we do is going to have value unless it's serving that. Everything else are tools to build that as we work together. It is why we are here. It is what we do. It is who we are. It is who God has called us to be in this time and in this place. And if we do it well, if we do it faithfully, to paraphrase what Colin just shared with you, people will look at us and like what they see, but more importantly, we will be found faithful in the eyes of the only one whose approval we seek, the one whom we seek to praise and glorify in our worship our fellowship, our service, and our witness. And when we've done that, you know what we can all say together, right? We can say, thanks be to God. Let us pray. Eternal God, your steadfast covenant love surrounds us. Your steadfast covenant love goes before us, preparing the way. We are grateful to be your church in this time and in this place. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We are grateful for this shared experience and adventure outside with you and one another. We give thanks for the beauty and enjoyment of your good creation. We give thanks for how this type of shared experience breaks down barriers fosters new bonds of peace and friendship. Lord, 
In your mercy, hear our prayer. We lift up all those persons and needs just named in our prayer circles, including those whose lives have been so dramatically changed by recent weather events. We remember those who are suffering and remember those whose lives are affected by grief, loss, hunger, violence, and war. We pray for the refugee and the homeless and we ask you to bless these missional efforts of this weekend and our ongoing response that it may bring practical assistance to those in need and bring glory to you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Holy God, like the early church, may we also devote ourselves to teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers, and to our mission of making disciples through worship, fellowship, service, and witness. In all these things, may we be of the same mind and of the same love as you in Jesus Christ our Lord. Restore us now in all the many ways we need your healing, wholeness, and redemption. We ask this in all things in the name of the risen Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And friends, we also covenant with God and one another to support the ministry and mission of the Lord's Church with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. So with glad and generous hearts, let us offer God's tithes and our gifts. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and it is a good and it is a joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image. You breathed into us the breath of life. And when our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity and you made covenant to be our sovereign God. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and we join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ, the Lord of all life came to live among us. He healed, he taught, he ate with sinners, and he won for you a new people by water and the Spirit. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church. You delivered us from captivity to sin and death, and you made with us a new covenant. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he'd given thanks to you, he broke the bread, and he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here out of love for you and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in our service to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray as Christ taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. And for the mystery of your spirit, which knits us together into community and family in this good place at First Carry. And we pray that strengthened by this meal and our time together, we may go into the world now and be about the business of making disciples of Jesus Christ who grow in faith and love through worship, fellowship, service, and witness to one another and the world. For we ask it in Christ's holy name. Amen. For our closing prayer, I'm going to be reading uh, the blessing from our first table uh, blessing here. So let's pray this prayer together. O God of all tables, as we gather around the table to share the blessing of food and drink, conversation and laughter, and warm company, we lift up the many tables around us and quiet homes and kitchens and bustling restaurants and coffee shops, and in crowded shelters and soup lines. O oh God, our carpenter, we also lift us first table and ask that you would build this table as you see fit. By your Holy Spirit, may first table be an agent of nourishment and peace, and may it forever extend to welcome the stranger just as you welcome us. As we gather around this table, may we gather closer to you, closer to each other, and closer to our true selves. O God of all tables, we give you thanks for the tables that were, for the tables that are, and for the tables that will be. Amen.